Let's hear it again for Mark. Uh, fantastic job, Mark. <clears throat> that's an incredible talent, and that's just a taste of what you can uh, see here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I was uh, thinking while he was doing that double neck guitar, if my brain, the little mouse in my brain was going on at the uh, whirl wheel, <laughs> trying to do that, it'd be an explosion inside my head. <laughs> I think it's time for uh, any kids to be dismissed to go to see a movie if they wanted to. Anyone that wanted to do that? <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Good. We all set? Almost? <laughs> They're hustling. Gee, maybe I can go with them. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, uh, I used to work downtown, <clears throat> and uh, downtown Lansing, and at one of the state office buildings, and there was a, a school bus filled with little kids, and they were, <laughs> they were taller than I was. <laughs> I could have got swept up into the bus, and they would have thought, hey, who's the short little ball-headed guy? <laughs> ball-headed kid. Well, thanks for coming out this morning, guys. <clears throat> Every day of your life, you have this, the same important decision to make. You have to answer a simple question. Now, what's the question? Which would you rather be, shaped by the world around us or shaped by God's word? I suspect that if you're listening to the presentation today, the answer to the question is pretty obvious, pretty easy. For me in my house, I choose to be shaped by God's word. But in today's fast-paced, unpredictable, and anything-goes society, it is difficult not to be influenced by the things of this world. And we all know that the world is filled with lots and lots and lots of negative influences, influences that threaten to tear down rather than build up our spirit. Consider these statistics for a moment. By the time you graduate from high school, statistics say that you will have watched more than 16,000 hours of television. You will have spent nearly 14,000 hours in an educational institution. And if you go to church for just two hours a week, you will have been exposed to somewhere around 2,000 hours of spiritual guidance. So when it comes to time to make a decision on anything, you'll have eight times as much TV and seven times as much world culture and education as you'll have of spiritual influences in order to guide and direct your decision-making process on any topic you may encounter. Other social influences such as smartphones, the internet, video games, they all make the worldly influences even greater in our equation. The Bible character King Solomon, touted as the man with the most wisdom ever, said, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Great words. The Apostle Paul, who probably had one of the greatest conversion experiences of all time, since we're talking about change, implores us to build up our lives by following his God-inspired words, as noted in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, changed, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I especially like 
the way Eugene Peterson states the same passage as found in the message. It's on your screen now. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Good words. In his book, The Divine Mentor, author Wayne Cordiero uses what I think is a really cool analogy showing how important it is for us to protect our spiritual roots. How does he do that? By using an example relative to tree roots. And since I have two degrees in forestry and since I love trees and anything to do with trees, (laughs) I think this true story has lots and lots of impact. Okay, put yourself in a wayback machine, go back to 1606 in a grove of giant sequoias in a place that would someday come to be known as California, a tiny seedling poked up through the damp soil and started to reach for the sky. Lots of time passed, and as the tree continued to grow, several events of historical significance took place. Samuel de Champlain founded Quebec City in a territory that would one day be called Canada. A group of scholars released an elegant English translation of the Bible that would be known as the King James Version. America became a nation, fought a civil war, joined Europe in fighting two world wars, put men on the moon, and suffered at the hands of terrorists on September 11, 2001. So through all these years and events spanning centuries, the Seedley became a towering titan of the forest, soaring over 240 feet into the misty California sunshine. And then, only a few years ago, the tree fell to the ground in a thunderous crash. It was the first of Yosemite's magnificent sequoias to fall in many years, and the U.S. Forest Service authorized an investigation as to what would cause such a magnificent tree to fall in this way since there had been no windstorms, no fires, no floods, No lightning strikes, no insect damage. As rangers and forestry experts examined the down behemoth, they came to a startling startling conclusion. The reason the tree succumbed and fell was due to foot traffic. Foot traffic? Yes, the experts concluded that recent unregulated foot traffic around the base of the tree had damaged the root system and contributed to the collapse. Subsequently, officials instituted a policy of fencing some of the oldest, largest, and most historically significant trees in order to keep the public from trampling the root systems of these giants. It's evident that even stalwart and venerable trees that have lived hundreds of years can't survive when there is no protection around their root system. What's true for the sequoias is also true for you and me. We have delicate root systems, if you will, and the roots of our soul are more fragile than we would ever imagine. And unless we find a way to protect and nourish these roots, we too will fall. We must be ever watchful to protect the roots of our soul from being trampled by the so-called pattern of the world. 
The phrase pattern of the world relates to the influences ever present in the society and in the culture we, in which we live. For example, lots of different pressures out there. The pressures found in the world business, government, schools, the media, social institutions, politics, emails, traffic, noise, television, Facebook chatter, smartphones, the neighbor's dog, the neighbor's cat, like <laughs> Mark was talking about earlier, worries about bill payments, and desires about social position or prestige. Lots of different pressures and influences out there. The pattern of the world is filled with temptations and snares, and we should not let the pattern of the world interfere and prevent us from understanding and completing God's purpose for our life. We do not want the pattern of the world to weaken our lives, erode our personalities, or kill the essence of who we are and who we would like to become through Jesus. Here, once again, the echo of Paul's words. Do not any longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be changed by the renewing of your mind. If you're not changed already, or if you have never changed, you were in the right place this morning because as we've seen over the course of this summer's messages, meeting Jesus will change you forever. He will change your thinking. He will change your direction. He will change your attitude. He will change your response to the pattern of the world. He will change your heart. So some of you may ask, well, Billy Schmidt, where were you inspired to ask Jesus into your heart and, in effect, change the course of your life? It's a good question. I can tell you how and when it happened. I don't remember the exact day of the week or the time of the year, but I do remember that it was in 1958. I was at the advanced age of eight years old. <laughs> and I remember the very moment that I gave my heart to Jesus, it took place during a Billy Graham crusade on television. How many people remember Billy Graham? Okay. As an aside, somebody got in an elevator. Uh, they met Billy Graham in an elevator and exclaimed, Mr. Graham, you are a great man. Billy Graham replied, I'm not a great man, but I have a great message. And he indeed, on that evening in 1958, in my parents' living room, had a great message. Cancer had visited our house in 1955, and for three years, my dad and our family battled that disease, which finally took his life in 1958 at the age of 42. My mom, my seven-year-old brother, and I were watching television. My mom had a Billy Graham crusade on, and I was watching too, probably because my mom wasn't going to change the channel, <laughs> even if my brother and I whined or complained. So we watched, and that particular message at that particular time changed my heart, it encouraged me to give my heart to Jesus. I felt a little weird after I made my decision. I sat there quietly and asked myself, what did I just do? I was happy and amazed and alarmed and overwhelmed. Did I jump for joy and yell out, hallelujah? No. I stood up from in front of the television even as the program continued, and went into the bathroom and closed the door behind me because I didn't want anybody to see. I didn't want anybody to see. I didn't want anybody to see that I was crying. What I now realize, crying tears of joy, tears of excitement, tears of expectation, tears of satisfaction, and an overwhelming feeling that Jesus was now part of my heart. 
After a few minutes, I composed myself, went back to sit and watch television. I don't think my brother or my mom had any idea of what had just happened, but I was convinced. It was real. It was important. It was bound to be life-changing. It was comforting. It was exciting. I was fired up in the inside, and it was confusing. And I remember that I asked myself again, what did I just do? What just happened? But I now know that that night has influenced every day of my life since then. The beginning, that beginning is best described by the words Paul used in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, where it is written, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Hmm. Love those words. Marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance, God's possession. To show you how God works, I eventually went to college. At the time, I was dating Molly, my wife, and I found out while we were students there that she went to church. She went to church. Yahoo! I've been looking for you, baby. <laughs> now, now you're talking. Besides her great looks, her ever-present smile, her sense of humor, she went to church. How cool was that? And later, when I met her family, I found out that they went to church too. Double bonus points. I hit the jackpot. Cha-ching. <laughs> Check out Paul's words in uh, 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. In Jesus, we learn the truth about who we are, the truth about sin and righteousness, and the truth about God's purpose for why we are on the earth. We learn the truth about how to love God and how to love one another. We learn the truth about eventual judgment and about heaven and hell. All the truth we need for life and God godliness centers in the person of Jesus. Yes, the initial encounter with Jesus is only beginning of an eternal relationship. In addition, through my experience, I learned never to doubt the authenticity of a child's response to the living Jesus. That's why Christian education is so important for our youth. I don't presume that all of us have such dramatic or memorable conversion experiences. That's okay, as long as we know Jesus is in our hearts. Paul's conversion experience on the road to Damascus was truly spectacular, and in my own way, so was mine. And yours may be different yet. Many of us may not know exactly when we came to faith in Christ. If it hasn't happened with you yet, earnestly seek it, and when it does happen, you will know that God has changed your heart. Formerly, we lived for self. Now, we live for Jesus, to know him and to serve him. We can enjoy the relationship, the adventure, and the excitement of living with the creator of the universe and thereby find purpose in our lives as described in one of my favorite and inspirational verses that can be found at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's why I'm here today. 
For many years now, I've also changed my radio listening habits. And I've been focusing on listening to Christian radio stations. Although sometimes I'll admit the songs contain unusually repetitive lyrics, I find that those same words can be especially inspirational. You know, if you listen, you hear just the right song with, with the right words at just the right time, and you feel like Jesus is talking to you directly. That is especially true for me with the video that we're going to see in a minute. I chose this particular video because it speaks about the influences in this world and that there is only one thing to remember. The scenery in the video is especially beautiful, but please focus on the words. The words in the lyrics will appear on the screen so we can all readily understand what is said. The words generally reflect the basic emphasis of today's message as well as a message we've heard this summer in identify and glorify the person behind all the changes we've been discussing. The name of the song is Jesus is the Only Name to Remember by the group Casting Crowns. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, change your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world Jesus is the only name to remember.
Jesus. Here again, the echo of Paul's words. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be changed. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you guard our hearts and our minds and our spirit, for they truly serve as a root to a closer relationship with you. Be with us, Lord, in all that we do, and help us to change in such a manner that we can serve you by serving others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.